welcome to episode 97 of the App Advice Weekly Podcast. This is your host, Trevor Sheridan of AppAdvice.com, and joining me as usual is my co-host, Brett Nolan of AppDiatic.net. Join us this week as we watch Apple swing and miss at air power while checking Apple's arcade future at the Penny Arcade Expo East. How are you doing today, Brett? I am doing good. It was a busy weekend for me at, at PAX East, and uh, I'm looking forward to talking about that and this Apple news that we have to share. And so we'll start with the Apple AirPods 2. Apple actually released a new product. It's not the greatest change year over year, but essentially they replaced the old W1 chip on the AirPods 1 with the new H1 chip, and that's going to allow for better syncing with your devices, quicker syncing, being able to go from one device to another quicker, you know, just all that kind of Bluetooth 5 connectivity improvements over the original one. And that's also going to help for Hey Siri support. So you can use that right with your AirPods. And then I think the wireless charging case is probably the biggest enhancement, but you can buy the AirPods 2 for the same price at 159 with the old Lightning case, or you can go with the new 199 option with the wireless charging case. Right, or you can buy that wireless charging case separately if you want to upgrade your old uh, AirPods if you have the first gen like we have, and you can get that for $80 on its own, which seems really expensive. But, yeah, that's pretty steep. Uh, yeah, yeah, it shouldn't be that expensive, but especially where there are third parties, a lot of third parties coming out with things to put your case in to make them wireless uh, so you can charge them. One of the more interesting features that I thought about these, this new gen was they mentioned that the there's like less lag with games where it would be it would stay in sync with games and i don't know that i've ever really noticed a lag i've definitely noticed a lag going from device to device if i'm trying to quickly switch between devices but within a game i didn't really notice any kind of delay uh that was super noticeable that was annoying but that was just one thing that they had mentioned that now that was going to improve that with this new chip yeah, I didn't notice any lag either. And the fun thing is that if you have AirPods 1 on your desk and you have AirPods 2, they're identical. There's no way to tell them apart. So if you switch the left and right ones, the, it, there's no way to tell them apart until you actually then put them back into the case and sync because the your iPhone essentially puts a little red marker if it's not the wireless charging-based versions when you try to do that. So... Try to keep them separated or replaced, you know, if you have multiple sets in your family or anything like that. Because, again, they look exactly the same on the exterior. But it's kind of just interior improvements. And it makes you wonder when we'll get an actual, like, leap forward in AirPods. Because Apple does this. You know, the iPhone 3G was just like the first one. The iPad 2 essentially kind of changed the format, but it was the same pretty much device the second generation apple watch didn't really change much at all it's really that third generation when they go and kind of rework the device yeah yeah i mean i going back to your first point about the being able to tell them part that is going to be an issue in my household because my daughter really really wants a set for her birthday and she's willing to spend her own money on them and so I originally, I, I was going to try and get her case engraved and do that so that we could tell them apart, but I, I mean, I could just put a sticker or something, but that doesn't help if the AirPods themselves are out of the case and somehow we both happen to put them down and then telling whose is whose, 
it could be an issue because, yes, they only offer them in white. They didn't come out with new colors for this. Like, they could have done a little bit more, even if they weren't going to, uh, like, just do internals and the minor update that they did do. They could have at least offered in additional colors to kind of have, especially if you are going to have multiple of these in the same house, to not kind of start to misplace them and confuse whose is whose. And that goes also with purchasing them themselves. You're going to need to know the SKU. So if you go to a retailer that isn't Apple, essentially they're going to put the old ones on clearance. And so you need to make sure that you're getting that new model, the new SKU, especially if a retailer didn't drop the old ones, so they're 159 the new ones are 159 You got to just make sure you're getting that new version. So write down the new SKU, the old SKU, and make sure that the box that you get is the new version. Right, yeah, I did notice on Target's website they do distinguish between the two, but if you're in the store, the person behind the desk may not even know what they're talking about. So you got to be careful and make sure if you are buying them now and you're spending $159, you should get the new ones. Not Don't spend $159 on the old ones at this point, unless there's some sale and you're saving money and you don't need the addition, the new features of the new one then maybe consider buying the old ones. But if you're paying full price, make sure you're getting the newest version of these. Yep, so that's the AirPods 2. It was a press release launch. You know, they didn't talk about it at their Showtime event last week. So it's just kind of a minor spec bump improvements overall. And again, it's 159 same price for just the basic second gen, but then you can get the wireless charging version for 199 and then also you could make your AirPods 1 have the wireless charging case for $79. Yep. And speaking of wireless charging, Apple first showed off the AirPower charging mat, which would let you theoretically charge your phone and your Apple Watch and your AirPods all at once. It was this whole little bar that you spot spaces for multiple items. And it seemed really cool. And we were wondering when it's going to come. Apple started taking it down from their website. They stopped talking about it for a, all of 2018, essentially, when they first showed it off at the end of 2017. And now here we are at the end of March into April 2019. Apple has officially canceled the AirPower. And essentially, it's a bad look for Apple, no matter how you slice it. So the main takeaway, they said they weren't able to kind of get rid of the heat that was caused by having three different wireless charging coils in one device. They couldn't displace the heat that it caused. It wasn't within their, you know, proper ramification or specifications to release. And that means there's no air power for any of us. But also part of me feels like this thing was going to cost $180 and you see these single wireless charging pads for like $12.99 and you're like, I don't know if the Apple tax would ever work in this space. You know, the HomePod is stupidly priced. The MacBook with touch bar is stupidly priced iphone xs is stupidly priced the new ipads are stupidly priced so i see apple could have released this but on the flip side it just it really blew up in their face in every possible way since they first unveiled it at the end of 2017 oh right and like plenty of other companies started releasing devices that are capable of charging all three of these items all at once so it really it took them so long and it doesn't even matter at this point and you're right it is so insanely overpriced the at least what they were originally kind of ballparking for this thing that 
there's no way that you could justify spending that kind of money on a charger when there's so many other options out there. And there's other decent multi-device options already out there that are a fraction of the price of this thing, or at least how much we thought it was going to be. So I, Apple definitely has egg in their face with this because they kept on dragging like, oh, we're working on it, we're working on it. Then they got all quiet about it. But in the end, they kind of just had to drop it at least they actually admitted and dropped it. Granted, they just did it in a, in a press release, but uh, they didn't keep on dragging it on and then kind of just be quiet about it and never mention it again. They actually came out and said, we're not doing it. Uh, so at least there's that. Yeah, and can you imagine that business meeting where the engineering team's like, oh, we'll figure it out. You know, we'll figure it out eventually. And for them to say, you know, there was another side saying, no, we're never going to be able to figure it out. And they went with the side that said they'll be able to figure it out. And I mean, I'd fire some people over this just because I don't think Apple has ever announced a product and not have it ending up being released, even if it releases terribly and it's met with terrible, you know, response from audience it's not the same as it never coming out because we couldn't figure it out from a hardware technical standpoint. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess what is worse? Is it worse for them to admit that they couldn't design it and meet their high expectations or for them to release something that was complete dud and people now have this black mark on Apple saying, well, this product was terrible or Worst case, it like even worse, like it causes problems if it is overheating. Like yeah, it catches on fire and leaves catches a little on fire black mark and, on your desk. Yeah, so <laughs> it, like I, I guess it's better for them to do this and admit it, and rather than take any kind of chances. I don't know. And then I mean, I guess that egg on their face continues with the brand new AirPods too. On the back of the box, there's the cool silhouette of the air power that you could use for your new wireless charging based AirPods too. Oh, nice. I didn't I didn't know that. I didn't I haven't picked up my daughters yet. So uh, nice. Yeah. When when did they decide? Oh, just just put that air power design on the back of the box. We'll we'll have it figured out by the time we get AirPods 2 out. <laughs> oh, wow. That's bad. Yeah. AirPods 2, those first batch, those are like a keepsake. A collector. Dude. Yeah. Yeah. Reminder of the awesome air power <laughs> <laughs> fiasco from Apple. Nice. And, you know, it's funny because rumors are talking about 2019 iPhones going to be able to be wireless charging like multiple ang- so you could do it on the back, on the front. It wouldn't matter. And Apple's really pushing this whole wireless charging standard. The whole idea of their company is you don't need wires no matter what device you have. And the one thing to enable that, they're not going to make themselves. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're in, they're going to have to partner with someone or they're going to point you to here's the Belkin one we we recommend or here's the such and such one we recommend. And they've been doing that up until the they were doing that as like kind of a stopgap while we were waiting for this air power. But now they're basically going to have to rely on these other companies or buy one of them and then call it the official Apple wireless charger of some sort. Yep. And so that's pretty much the Apple news of the week. They had a new announcement and then they had a cancellation. And so that means it's time for some apps and there's apps in a bunch of different ways. So this is just kind of a subtle shout out to the CBS All Access app in that Jordan Peele's new version of the Twilight Zone has launched. It officially came out on April 1st, 2019. So you can start streaming it 
on CBS All Access. There's a five-day free trial, I think, seven-day, just like one week, real quick free trial, but then it's $5.99 a month, and they're going to release the episodes on a weekly basis. So there's two to start, and then they're going to release two more, I think, on April 11th and have them come out, you know, like it's a weekly show. And But also, if you do have Amazon Prime, you can access the first two episodes without signing up for CBS All Access free trial or any subscription. So that's worth noting if you want to check out this new version of Twilight Zone. Oh, nice. I didn't know I could get it from Amazon Prime because I am interested in seeing it, but I really don't want to support this whole CBS All Access thing. Especially, like, I would wait until the whole series is there, then sign up for, for a trial and then grab it. Like, I still haven't seen the new Star Trek series because of this uh, whole CBS All Access thing. Yeah, not a fan of the CBS All Access just because it's another $6 for such a few select things. I think, I mean, we talked about it. Apple TV Plus is going to run into the same exact thing, but CBS All Access is a good precursor of what to come. Well, I mean, I to me, it almost, it's part of it is just because it's CBS, and that's like a network. It's not right. a service. And so for them to try to change the whole paradigm and like, no, we're no longer this free channel you get just with an antenna. And we've been for since we started, we're now this paid thing. And to me, that just I don't know. I just can't swallow that. It's just too tough where at least with Netflix and these other companies, this is how they always were. It's not like they were a free thing and now we're going to start charging you for it. So it just I can't wrap my head around that. And I don't want to support that because then that just opens the door for so many more of these currently free channels to start trying to charge for all the content rather than just relying on ads. And uh, I don't know that I'm, I'm nervous that that's a big slippery slope. Yeah, what rubs me the wrong way is that I want Twilight Zone to do well. So we keep getting more of it, but you're siphoning it off to a smaller audience than if you would have just put it on CBS Thursday at 8 p.m. or whatever time slot. You know, now it's this whole smaller audience who specifically use CBS All Access versus all the other streaming platforms out there when you know you have such a small catalog. I want this show to do well. And I just I don't know why they think they have to put their sci fi tech based properties on their app. Or why don't you just sell off the rights to Twilight Zone to somebody else if you're going to just try to keep it in this small market area? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't get it. I they must have paid a decent amount of money for this to put it in that to for them to agree for this. But I I don't understand why you would limit the audience so much. Yeah, I I don't don't either. It seems like production costs would have to be relatively significant. Yeah. But CBS All Access app is available. And again, you can stream the first couple episodes with Amazon Prime. And then there's some games that are actually out now. So soon we're going to be talking about PAX East and all upcoming games. But in the meantime, you can actually play games now. And so the 2019 MLB season is underway. And with it, there's a new version of RBI Baseball. So RBI Baseball 19 lets you essentially have the closest simulation idea on iOS. There's a lot of baseball games available in the App Store, but a lot of them focus either on kind of arcade style or they're not officially licensed or they focus on like just the home run derby or something. So this is a full kind of nine inning simulation that tries to be as authentic as possible. Alex Bregman of the Houston Astros is their cover athlete for this year. And if you've heard us talk about any previous version or you've played any previous version yourself, 
when any of these kind of sports games, you know that the main kind of year-over-year change is roster updates, but that they essentially do a little bit more than that for RBI Baseball 19. It seems like the main changes are better character design or athlete representations in the game, as well as stadium design to be more authentic. And then they are just continuing to enhance the simulation idea and the franchise mode. So you can always play an exhibition game. But really, the highlight of any of these sports simulations is to guide a team year over year. So you can play the 2019 season, but then the franchise, you get to build it out for 10 different seasons. So then you get into free agency and trades and calling up players from the minors and just seeing your team develop over time. And really, that's where this game shines. And they keep that going in 2019. Yeah, I mean, it's it's always tough with these games because, yeah, there is all that. A lot of people just buy them for the roster updates, but it's good to see that they are putting work into improving other areas of the app as well, uh, just to kind of make a reason other than just getting those roster updates for you to continue to buy it year over year. It, granted, it is pretty inexpensive, especially compared to, like, a, a console title. Uh, so... What's $7 for for like each year to just get that added content? Uh, the one thing that I did notice when I loaded up, and this was probably just a sheer coincidence, or somehow I had save files around from a previous version, I don't know. But it loaded up and it had the Red Sox versus the LA Dodgers were the two teams. No, that's just because the... It's the World Series matchup. That's what oh, okay. they do. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I didn't know. And, like, I thought this was just, like, fate for us to, like, go head-to-head. But I, I guess, yeah, okay, I wasn't even putting that together. I'm, this is how much I watch sports. So. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, really, the problem for me year over year is that the pitching is overly simplified and the hitting is overly complex. They never have it balanced out. It seems like it's really easy to get outs on when you're pitching, but it's really tough to get hits when you're hitting. Like, I understand you want that relative authenticity, but it seems like I nail the timing with my barrel of the bat to the ball, and it nubs it down the first baseline. And this year, it seems even to slide to even more difficult because it seems like the players are swinging a 500-pound bat. It, the <laughs> bat speed is just so slow through the stri- strike zone. It's like, okay, I have to go early to swing at this pitch, but then when you do that, that gives you less time to kind of analyze, is this going to be a fastball or off-speed pitch, or is it going to be way outside or inside, or is it going to be over the plate? But you have to speed or swing quicker just because your player is going to swing so slowly. Oh, I completely agree with you. Like I, there was, I didn't even come close to getting anything more than like a double. It, like I was lucky to get a double a couple of times, but uh, it was they they got a couple of home runs off of me, uh, but I couldn't get anything to save my life. I, I could pitch and like strike them out. Uh, then again, I I was a little eager on the batting because I just wanted to hit, uh, and so I would swing at pretty much anything. So I would strike out a lot too, but. Uh, yeah, it's, it seemed like it was very difficult to get any kind of 
hit off. And then even just with the pitching, I felt like you had less of a range of pitches. You had basically a fastball, which you could kind of steer a little bit, or you could throw that weird knuckleball that kind of just went all over the place. There didn't seem to be anything in between, at least that I could figure out how to throw. Uh, it just kind of stuck between those two options. I, I just, I want to like this game because I like playing baseball games. I like just kind of the flow of it versus watching it where you're more in direct control of everything. But this game, as much as I want to like it, it loses the fun factor. I focus so much on like kind of the design of the game, the actual gameplay suffers. It, it seems like the gameplay is just stayed in neutral all the years that RBI Baseball has been on iOS. Like the first version, 2.19, always the pitching is relatively easy, the hitting is overly difficult, and maybe this year they actually made it worse where players are swinging way slower than they do in real life, and I think that's part that they focus so much on kind of trying to mimic the animations of player stances like Justin Turner and Corey Seager have different batting styles and they mimic it pretty well with their animations. But in doing so, the gameplay suffers. And again, it's just not fun when you're constantly just kind of swinging and missing, even though you know you timed it up so well. Yeah, and there were also times where I felt like they pitched at me and one time it was called. Other times that ball seems to hit me. Like, straight on, I should be, like, legs broken by this fastball nailing my, my shin, but nothing's called. And so it only ever got called once. It said bonked, and then I got my guy got to walk. But uh, it seemed like something was a little bit off there. I, I, don't, I don't know exactly what it was. And then also, the one thing I've always wanted in this type of game is to be able to simulate innings. So in MLB The Show on PlayStation 4, you can simulate half innings, you can simulate whole innings, you could play the first three innings, simulate four, five, and six, and then play seven, eight, nine. You could say, I don't want to pitch this half inning, you could just let it go, I want to go back to hitting. You can simulate where you want. This game only lets you simulate the entire game, so you can go on the calendar and say, let's simulate all the way to the All-Star break, and you can do that just fine. But once you decide to play a nine inning game, you got to play all those nine innings. And again, with the gameplay pacing where when you go out to pitch, it's super boring and bland. And then when you go out to hit, it's super frustrating and annoying. It's tough to go through nine innings. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I agree. And so that's RBI Baseball 19. It's six ninety nine. It's universal. And then there's a couple free little quick games. First is Glitch Run, which it reminded me of that kangaroo run game where the entire level is focused on the screen and it's just kind of a quick couple actions in like that hardcore platformer style in this case you can tap to jump swipe right to dash and then swipe left to hide and you need to get through these various spike obstacles that either move in your direction slide up and down whatever the case may be but the core game is three different actions to get through an entire level that you can see on the screen. There's no side-scrolling idea. There's no panning the camera. Everything of a given level is right there. And there's five different sections you have to make it through to complete a whole level. And just, I don't know, the game seemed to not control as well as I would like. Like, when you press the jump button, sometimes it wouldn't jump properly. Or he jumps exceptionally high for no apparent reason. Or you wanted to dash and he jumps or you wanted to jump and he dashes and then also each level 
I want it to just get going. And he takes like an extra couple seconds to appear on screen. And you're like just tapping to kind of advance. And then he just jumps into spikes right when he gets on screen because you're just tapping to kind of accelerate into the action. I, I don't know. The pacing was just really off for me. I see. I didn't really have any problems with the controls. They seemed to do what I wanted to. I just felt like you're pigeonholed where it was almost like you were playing uh where it was a puzzle game where you basically just had to memorize a certain set of movements you didn't really have free range to do whatever you wanted you kind of just had to pull off this certain series of movements they wanted you to do and that got you through each level so once you learned uh the one for the first screen so there's five screens per level you know i gotta do this this and this that'll get me through that one then maybe you come into the second one you you die because there's something right there or you 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 jump instead of swiping and so now you have to just memorize what the next one set of movements are so to me it seemed almost more puzzly than actual like challenge speed run type of thing uh, mm -hmm. it seemed more like a memorizing a list of moves and that's how you got through them uh, i don't know it it was seemed kind of it was weird to me like it seemed like a like a weird hybrid of puzzle and actual fast-paced hardcore platformer but you never really got to do what you wanted to do yeah to, uh, for me the flow was completely broken but i definitely agree that it's more puzzly and you're just oh i need to perform this quick set of actions to complete a give a level as soon as you die you realize oh i need to jump and dash rather than try to jump land and jump again and i i just couldn't ever get into that being engaged to want to go from level to level which is the core design of the game i never got to that point i don't know if it was that the player movement was off or that the level structure was more puzzly or too simplistic it just never hit with me I think the screens are just too small, too, because you're holding this oh, yeah, it's vertically. Yeah. yeah, so you're in portrait mode, so there's really very little distance you have to cover. So you basically have about three taps or a tap and a swipe, and you're through that screen. So it, it just really wasn't all that engaging. Like You do yep. it a few times, and then it's just the same thing over and over again. Yep, so that's Glitch Run. It's free. It's universal. And then there's Letters and Soda, or Letters and Sodas, they're both plural, and it's just a quick word game that focuses more on puzzle idea. Like, at first I thought it was going to be more complex as I went, but it kind of tries to take just a simple sliding mechanic, almost like those 15 number puzzles where you have to rearrange all the numbers so they're in order and you have to swipe tiles out, but there's fewer tiles on screen, so it's like spell this four-letter word, lake, and you have to just move the L-A-K-E in order. And you have a set number of moves to do it, but it never seemed... I kept going more than I wanted to and should have, expecting some kind of change of the script, some kind of flip, some challenge introduction. It just never got there. This game is really, really easy. Yeah, the only reason I continued to play was because I was hoping something was going to change. So basically, you can't even spell the words vertically. You just have to, there's mm -hmm. this one like fun. pink pink line in the center, and that's the line where you have to put these four letters in order to spell the word that it says. And so you basically just look at the puzzle, and then you can usually figure out pretty easily exactly how you're gonna have to move these things to get them in the order. maybe one or two of them i had to retry just because i messed one little thing up but i was only off by like one move and i figured it out 
Oftentimes I had extra moves that I didn't even need. A few times you're down to the zero, like you have to do it exactly or you're not going to have enough moves. And it just never increased. The most I ever saw was they started increasing the introducing these locks, which are blocks you basically can't move. But they only help to more clearly define exactly what you had to do because you knew I don't have to move those. So it's only the others I got to touch. And so it really end up doing the opposite of what they wanted. It more just clearly defined exactly how you had to solve the puzzle. I, I felt exactly the same way. And it's disappointing because I like the idea of like a a puzzle game with swipe based mechanics, almost like a threes, but turned into a word game. And it it's not that it never even comes close to being really challenging. There's a much better word games. There's much better puzzle games on the app store, despite how good it looks on the surface. Yeah, to be honest, for the first three or four levels, I didn't even realize they wrote the word you had to figure out in the top. I just figured, I just swiped on like, oh, they must be looking for bake. And so then I formed that word. Like, I didn't even realize they were giving me the word. Even that writing the word on the top kind of takes out the challenge. You don't even have to find a word in the letter arrangement. It tells you what word there is. So that kind of was made it even easier, too. Yeah, why throw extra letters in there? It doesn't even make sense. I, I don't know. It was very... I don't know. It was kind of disappointing. Yep. Letters and sodas, it's free, it's universal. And so that covers what's out now. And now is a look for what's upcoming. Brett was at PAX East this past weekend. Yeah, so PAX East, this is... I don't even know what year. I think it's like the ninth year I've been to PAX East, and now it's a four-day show. And so it's getting bigger and bigger. It's been a four-day show for the past couple of years. And there's just all kinds of gaming, from console, PC, iOS, tabletop gaming, just anything you could want. So I saw a lot of stuff. I will try to keep it brief because there's a lot to go through. So kicking off with just a few iOS titles uh, that I saw... First of all, there was a game I was really looking forward to called Keep Talking and Nobody Explodes. And this comes from Steel Crate Games. They previously released it on VR, and then it came to Steam and the Switch and other platforms. Now it's coming to iOS. And what this is, it's a two or more players are basically you're trying to defuse bombs. So on the device, you have this bomb and you're flipping it around and there's all these different little modules on it like maybe you have to cut wires or you have to press a button or solve like a a clue of different words and basically one person is trying to defuse the bomb the rest of the people have the manual and know how to defuse it but they don't know what the bomb looks like because only the one person sees the bomb and is touching the bomb so you have to describe to the people with the manual what you're seeing and then they're telling you how to defuse it and meanwhile the clock is counting down and your the nerves are all going and you're trying to defuse this bomb in time uh, and it's just so much fun. I have it on the Switch right now, and, I, and it worked beautifully on iOS. And and so I can't wait for this to come out because then you have it always with you. It's it's on your device. You can play it any time. And it's just this one is definitely one to keep an eye out for. Nice. It reminds uh, me of a lot of just any kind of multiplayer. Like there's that Space Command one and just any of those ideas where you need other people's kind of help to play games. I love it. 
Yeah, and the nice thing about this is you really only need one copy of the app because one person can do it. They are going to put the Bob manual right in the app, but then it's also just a PDF or a web page you can go to. And so uh, you really only need the one app for the person diffusing the Bob. Perfect. Uh, next up is a digital board game because I love digital board games. Uh, Direwolf Digital, who previously put out uh, Renegade's Lotus and Lanterns, are now coming oh. back with another of their titles, uh, Raiders of the North Sea. And this is a uh, worker placement game, kind of in the same vein of like another popular worker placement game app was Lords of Waterdeep. So if you play that, it's it's not the exact same like overall thing, but it's that same mechanic that you're used to. So basically you're placing workers on spots on the board, which give you resources that then you can use those resources to do other things, or they give you actions that you can do. And in this game, you're basically trying to build up your, your raiding party, your party of Vikings, and then go out and raid places to get resources and supplies and and basically victory points and then eventually after certain number of rounds uh the game is over and then you add up the victory points and the person wins um rated what direwolf digital does with these apps is they don't just recreate the board digitally they really add all kinds of uh really animations and music and other things to really bring the game to life rather than just kind of digitizing just flat images so they have all the original artwork from the original game and they've animated the characters and it just made this whole like world for you to dive into as you're raiding you see like bombs and stuff going off or fires starting and uh it's just a really really well done and this one comes out this month sometime this month so this one is like almost out i really like lanterns and i definitely know what you're talking about that it's not just the board game it it kind of builds it out so it makes a reason for it to be on the iPad to kind of bring a board game to life rather than just being a replication of that physical board game on your table. Right, yeah, and the nice thing, it also takes care of like all the math and other things that you don't now have to do in your head. So this is definitely one, if you love digital board games, this is one you'll definitely want to keep an eye out for. I don't know what the pricing is going to be, but it, it is supposed to be in April sometime. I think it's supposed to come out. Cool, cool. Uh, Next up, our Accidental Queens are back. They're the ones that made uh, the normal lost phone game, so you know you're in for something kind of crazy and different. And this one is called Alt Frequencies, and this is unlike anything I've ever played before. So, Excellent. really, <laughs> so what it is, is you're stuck in like this time loop, and the whole interface is this radio. Uh, like you have a radio in front of you and you can swipe between the various radio stations and you're hearing clips of things and you hear like morning DJs, you hear like uh, college students talking in the radio, you hear almost like NPR, a political show. They did an amazing job with these recordings. Like it sounds like actual, the all the stuff you would normally hear when you're flipping through radio stations. But the crux of the game is you're actually trying to solve this weird mystery and you're so what you're doing is you 
as you're going through these radio stations, you'll hear certain things, and maybe this radio station's asking for people to call in to talk about something, and you have to go to one of the other radio stations, like maybe this guy took over the air and he's announcing like this conspiracy and he knows all these facts that the government's trying to hide up. You can record segments of what this guy's saying and then go back and try to get them to play this on the air on this other station. And maybe that'll now trigger other people to like, wait, what's he talking about? That's what's going on? We need to talk and investigate this. And so you kind of keep on flipping between the stations and are trying to input sounds from various other stations to try to solve this mystery and drive the story forward. And it's they jumped me in in the demo. I was writing like the second chapter. And so I don't know how it all starts, but there's this whole thing where like the stations just keep on looping back and forth and you're trying to figure out more about what is this time loop and what's what's going on. And it's just uh, a really interesting game. It's totally different. I love when Wasteland uses that, that Golf Club Wasteland uses actual kind of interviews and radio idea in the background to play in a game, and then having that kind of as the crux of a whole time loop mystery. You, you had me sold on time loop mystery. Yeah, yeah. No, this one, this one I was really impressed by. I had no idea what I was going into, but I was really impressed. So keep an eye out for that. I think that's coming in the spring sometime. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up is... Nyamyum, I think is how it's pronounced. They are the Tengami. Uh, you remember Tengami yeah. came out a few Tengami years ago? awesome, yeah. They're back with Astrologaster, Astrologaster, I think it's called. And this one is different, much different than Tengami. So this is a humorous kind of comedy game where you're you're acting as this doctor like back in like London 1592 and you are kind of almost like a quack doctor using astrology to solve these people's medical problems. So you're saying like, well, let's look at the stars and let's see what they tell us about your your disease you're telling me you have. And then you're trying to figure out how to help them. Maybe you end up just making them more sick because they're ignoring the real problem. But what you're basically trying to do is convince these these patients that you know what you're talking about and eventually they'll give you feedback and you'll earn your your license because they they're happy with the work you're doing but in essence you could end up killing them but this one was like totally different it was a humorous story very well written the voice acting is excellent i i definitely want to play more of this and check it out i i was really getting into it just it's just very well well done and it just pulls you in with like the weird absurdity of it all. I guess it's sort of based on some real uh real stories from like something similar kind of happened. So it's more like a puzzle-based version of Amateur Surgeon where it's not like, you know, action-based, like quick action oh, yeah, game. Yeah. It's more thought-based. Yeah, you're more choosing, it's almost like a choose-your-own-adventure kind of thing, where you go and read these very, so like, when each patient comes up, you'll have multiple choices of uh, which of the astrological signs you want to use. So you go and read these signs, and they tell you, well, this could mean that they have stomach pains, or this could mean that they're pregnant, or something. And so then you choose one of those, and then you see the reaction of the the 
the patient of, well, I, I don't know, but he's like, I'm sorry to tell you. Like, there was one where I told the guy he was basically a hypochondriac, and they were like, oh, okay, hypochondria? What is that? I have hypochondria? And so uh, it's, it's, I was laughing during this. <laughs> it, it's more of like a, like, I don't know, it's more like a story narrative game where you're kind of choosing choices, but, uh, and you're trying to think both of, I, I kind of weighed like, what do I think is going to make them happy versus what do I think is going to be outright ridiculous and humorous? And I usually went with the humorous selection, which half the time, like, I thought they'd be pissed at me, but they're actually fine. They liked it, like, even though I was, like, telling them off. But uh, no, it was good. It's definitely one. And it's got this cute, like, um, almost like a stage kind of artwork. Like, it's it's very different. Uh, it's it's eye catching. And uh, I, I was impressed. So, uh, Astrologlaster, I believe it's called, uh, and that's coming, I think, sometime... Oh, no, that's available for pre-order right now. You can get it. It's coming out May 2nd or 3rd, so uh, it's on the App Store, available for pre-order. Perfect. Uh, next up, speaking of absurdity, is What the Golf. This one is amazing. So you have your normal golf game where you drag and then you release and then you hit the ball and then you go again. And you're basically trying to get a low score. And that's what this seems like at first. With the first hole, you're like tapping, it's going, and you go and you hit the hole and it says hole, hole in one or hole, you hit the hole. You move on to the next one. So the next hole, I drag back to swing and hit. All of a sudden, my guy goes flying forward. I'm like, uh-oh, I think I overhit. And I think he's dead. He's just laying on the ground and not moving. Then I realize if I drag back and go to hit again, I'm hitting the guy now. The guy is just flopping around, and he's flopping towards the hole. And he's the thing. He's my ball now. And I have to get him to the hole. Then there's like, then maybe the next level I go, and I have to hit, and there's all these kids playing soccer. I got to get the ball to the soccer net. Well, I'm hitting and hitting, and the kids come running on, they kick the ball off the side of the hole. I'm like, I got to start over. Like, stupid kids and then now i gotta avoid the kids while getting to the soccer goal so you're actually playing soccer while trying to get the ball to the hole it's just every hole is more absurd than the last like there's some like all of a sudden I, there's this one that's in black and white and i realized that wait a minute this looks like super hot the game super hot and then i make it to the end and it's super putt super putt i'm like this is awesome and I, I i when i was done with the demo i just wanted to play more and more and more uh so if you like really absurd like almost like those um you know like the impossible quizzes are the ones where you almost have to think outside the box and you yeah. don't know what's coming next that's kind of like what this is but a golf game too so you never know what's going to happen the levels change some of them you have to hit uh you have to flip the device and you're almost like a um like like pitfall almost where you're kind of swinging the ball to the hole or like hook champ where you're swinging the ball to the hole. Like it's crazy. Every, you never know what the next hole is going to bring. That sounds awesome. There's been some great arcade and mini golf versions on iOS, but to change it up and infuse it more like some crazy bake in the game type of thing. And just you that I love it. Yeah. So that I don't know when that's coming, but definitely keep an eye out for that. 
Uh, Spring and Flow. This was one I didn't even know about. This was over in the uh, indie mini booth section. So those, what the people have, they just have basically a little stand that they can show off their games. And those, they give them two days. So you have, you're either there the Thursday and Friday, or you're there the Saturday and Sunday. And they rotate out the games for, for each of those two days. And so this was one I walked up, I, I'd heard about it, and I, I went up, and it turned out the guy who's the developer on this also worked on Cuphead. So, mm -hmm. But this is nothing like Cuphead. This is like a puzzle game. So this one, you have this almost like a mountainside built out of hexagonal little uh, squares that are all there. And there's a little bit of water in there. And basically what you're trying to do, there's sunlight coming in from one location. And you have to basically move the sections of this thing up and down to get the water to flow and get the grass green and then grow the flower or maybe there's multiple flowers so it's this whole physics kind of thing where you have to figure out how the water is going to flow and how to get it to certain locations on this this level in order to grow up the plants and then if you Say you get say there's one on an upper level and you get it grow you grow it but then you move the water down to the lower level well, it's going to die because there's no water to keep that grass green anymore so you constantly have to think about how moving things is going to affect other things and to have these flowers grow I was this one was really interesting and it's super engaging once you get in and you start to learn the mechanics it just each level was they add a little bit of something to make it a little more different a little more difficult and I'm this one is one I'm definitely going to watch I have no idea when it's coming out but this was a, a really nice surprise that's all you can really ask for is little indie developers making interesting puzzle ideas that aren't currently available. Right. And especially ones that have worked on these huge successful games. And then now they're, they doing, this is what I want to do. So I'm going to do my own thing now and, and do this. And so it's great to see them. And I hope this one has success. I think it's looking for a publisher right now or considering looking for a publisher or self-publishing. So uh, I don't know when it's coming, but it, it definitely seemed very far along. Cool. Uh, Next up is Summoner's Fate by D20 Studios, which was this cool mix of top-down, turn-based strategy game and a collectible deck-building card game all in one. So you had, like, this layout where <clears throat> you had your character, or maybe you had multiple characters, and you're, they each have their own style, weapons, and health, and you're moving along this almost like a board, and there's enemies throughout and they have different fighting styles and so you, it's like a turn-based strategy game where you can you can do a certain amount of movement on your turn and then you can play cards from your deck of cards in order to do special attacks or buff up characters and you're basically trying to make it through each one of these uh levels so they're kind of they're standalone levels and then you'll come to like a boss battle where maybe you have some super strong guy come out and then you have to figure out how you're going to battle them you can sneak around them and backstab them and take them out faster or you can just do different attacks one of the coolest attacks you can do is throw squirrels at people so you throw the squirrel out it attacks then the squirrel is now a character that you can buff you can uh use him to attack he has his own attacks and eventually he might die but then you could attack again throwing out a squirrel again but uh that was just a, a nice little extra because who doesn't love to throw squirrels at people 
Right. Does it go <laughs> in with like a series? Because I know there's uh, like Summoner's War and stuff. Is it anything like that? No, I think I think this their own this their own thing. I think it's just because you're summoning these things. I think it's Summoner's Fate. It's just uh, a popular for like this genre to use a popular term to use. But uh, yeah, no, I think this is their only game. They're working on it. I think it may have been kickstarted. They're working on multiple platforms, iOS included. uh, And it's, they're still in beta testing. I don't know exactly when this is going to come out, uh, but it was, it was, uh, this one I knew nothing about going in. I got a press release from them and I definitely wanted to see it because right in my wheelhouse. And uh, I was, I, I definitely enjoyed it. Sounds good. Uh, and then uh, PAX East also, or PAX also does this PAX Indie Showcase. And this year it happened to be three uh, iOS titles, one of which was Zombie Rollers, which we talked about previously. Uh, and then there was one PC one. But the other two iOS ones, one was called Norman's Night In, which was this Metroidvania-style game where you actually play as like this old guy with this mystical bowling ball that he picks up. And you're moving around this Perfect. massive... Yeah, it, well, it gets even crazier because... The way you move around is you drag out the bowling ball and then it's basically slamming this guy in the chest and that's what makes him fly across the screen. So he's got like a core that you wouldn't believe that he can just keep slamming himself in the chest with his massive bowling ball. And then as you go through, you start to earn like additional powers and things. So like, then you start to earn a double jump or a triple jump. And then that allows you to get to other areas in the map you maybe couldn't reach before. And it just was a, it was a massive map after the first couple of levels and almost overwhelmingly so. And then they told me that was only like a quarter of the final map that they're going to have so this thing is going to be a lot to explore and figure out and move around it it was uh i don't know how far along it is but it it was it was pretty cool to to go around and see and then i just thought the whole movement by doing that kind of dragon release for the for the bowling ball was uh very different yeah definitely uh, and then the other one that was there uh, was Photographs by 88 Games, who did You Must Build a Boat and 10 Million, I think it was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't want to go into too much detail about this, because this actually comes out this week, and I think oh, we're we're probably going to, we'll definitely be diving into this one. But basically what it is, is uh, it's a three-hour experience so uh it's start end you don't have to worry about this going on forever it's five different stories all of which are super emotional and what it is is a really cool mix of uh like a narrative game and a puzzle game so there's all these like puzzles like you're familiar with so things like where you're moving characters around when you move one the other one moves and you have to get them both to their to their goal uh to their respective goals there's one where you're like dragging and you're moving things on a uh like on a machinery and then hitting fire and you're basically trying to get it to bounce against various things and land in like a, a pool of water and so you have to keep on changing the angles of things or the, how they're going to bounce and rebound until you get just the right thing. But the cool thing about it is the puzzles, while they're things you're familiar with, the he does a great job of kind of like tying the puzzles and their difficulty 
into the story. And the way the story unfolds is you're dragging around this like viewer and it you see that it's going to be a photograph and it gives you what the title like almost like a like a polaroid where you'd write something on the polaroid so you see what the little thing you're going to be told what like a little catch a little phrase that's going to be on the photo that kind of gives you an idea of what in on the scene you need to go take a photo of. So it might say, like, we used to uh, enjoy dinners here. So now, you know, you might have to go take a picture of like a table. So you drag down, then all of a sudden you'll see it start to circle the area and, you know, it's about to take the photo and then it takes the photo and then that continues the story but these are like super emotional stories so i uh, and then i believe i only played through two of the five but i at the end you get to make judgments on the stories and i guess there's a whole bunch of different endings depending on how you choose and so i guess if you i don't know how it replays if you want to go back and try see different endings but that's something we can dive into when we do a full uh, dive into this but uh it's up for pre-order right now it's $3.99 I believe right now on pre-order uh and I thought it comes out Wednesday of this week or Thursday I I thought it was Wednesday but uh I I had a super long amazing discussion with the developer and this is one that should definitely be on everyone's list maybe not if you have kids cuz it might be a little dark but uh well worth the experience yeah looking forward to that it's coming so soon and then finally, the last area of games I wanted to talk about were Apple Arcade games. So Apple just, as we mentioned last week, they just announced this Apple Arcade. And a lot of these games are actually already were in development or uh, or out on uh, early access for things like Steam or the Switch. And so... At PAX East, I was able to actually play a number of the games that are coming, one of which I was actually able to play it on an iPad because I had an early iOS build that I could do. But the rest of them, I experienced them on other platforms, which kind of made me think about, will all these games work with touch controls? Or are they going to have to really redesign things to work with touch controls. Other ones, it was obvious they work great with touch controls, maybe even better with touch controls. So it was it was curious as I went through these. So I'm just gonna run through quickly about uh, a few of them, maybe five or so of them that I saw. I'll just give you a brief overview of what they were. So from Annapurna and Samogo, we get Sayonara Wild Hearts, which this thing was like an acid trip. It's like Excellent. you're, it's like it's it's like a rhythm game where you're flying through a J-pop music video. It's absolutely nuts. So and it's all in neon, like neon everywhere. And so you're flying, you're you see like this tarot card which introduces like these characters. There's amazing music that plays during this whole thing, and it's just fast pace where you're having to tap on things you're flipping off motorcycles you're flying through the air collecting hearts you're avoid going through like streets and avoiding running into walls and things it didn't seem like you could ever fully die like you always kind of rewound a little bit to like a checkpoint and then you got like another go at it but uh it, this was absolutely crazy I, I this one i played on a switch and it was 
really nice to have those controls not on the screen, so I'm not blocking any of the screen while I was playing. I don't know how this one, I could easily see it playable on an iOS device, but I'm curious if you're going to be covering a little too much of the screen while you're playing. I mean, you could get around it, but uh, I really enjoyed it on the Switch. I mean, if you throw Samogo's name out there, I'm going to check it out. And that's why Apple Arcade is so intriguing, is just the developers involved. I, I'm really interested to see how existing games are going to make it into this whole subscription models, iOS specific. It, it's just really fun to see. Yeah, and that was one of the that was one of the really interesting things from having conversations with these developers and and publishers is no one could really say a lot because there's so many NDAs and no, Apple I mean Apple hasn't really told them what they can say yet and so they were all a lot of them seemed nervous about talking too much about it. Granted, they had these fully playable versions on other platforms, none of them would, like, we heard Apple's wording at the event where they said no other mobile platform and no other subscription service. So, I mean, that still opens the doors for the stuff to be on Switch, for it to be on Steam, for it to be on Xbox and PlayStation, as long as it's not part of one of their subscription services. So, uh, it was really interesting. So, the next one, Blowfish Studios, they were the ones I got to actually see an iPad build. So this is Projection First Light, which is this atmospheric puzzle game, a puzzle platformer where you're playing as this little girl and it's all done in this shadow puppet style. And it's amazing what they're able to pull off with the animations in this game where they can tell and show so much emotion just using like these little shadow puppets and you fully get the story. You fully get this girl that's upset with her parents and storming off to her room. And But it's all done in this shadow puppet style. And the way it works is you're controlling a light source. And that causes shadows for you to basically move platforms so you can jump on them and get around. Or it's so you can... Uh, like wipe out other areas by putting it in sunlight and there's boss battle sort of things as well. And the build that they had was an earlier iOS build. And so it struggled with the jumping. So I had some problems with the jumping, but this had previously been done with like multiple sticks on the physical version. So they're the one. So this is one example of where they now have to kind of retool things because Apple, you're going to have to support touchscreens as well as I assume MFI controllers. And so, yeah, the MFI controller would be easier to just port over, but that whole extra added element of having to rejigger things to make sure they work on a touchscreen as well can cause some development hurdles. And so they were going through this struggle right now where they're just trying to figure out how do we make this just as fun and playable with touch controls as it was with the physical controls from the original development that we had. So, uh, it, but this one, the art was beautiful. And the way they, as she's going on her journey, they change up the art style a little bit to, for all these different, uh, different, locations like China, Turkey, and Greece, and all of their, like, traditions. So they tell, like, some famous, like, shadow puppet story from those those countries and kind of build the story that she's going through around those traditional stories that are told in those countries. 
So you take the mechanic of Shadowmatic and you combine it with the platformer, and it's kind of like uh, that Shadows game that came out late last year. Yeah, where, where Shadows Shadow Slumber reveals parts of the world. Yeah, sort of. Yeah, like where Shadows Slumber. They were actually at PAX East as well. Uh, mm-hmm. And yeah, so it kind of combines elements of things we've we've seen before. Uh, but it's definitely felt more like an atmospheric platformer than any of those. The other games were almost more puzzly. Yeah, this pure feels, puzzle. Huh? Yeah, this feels more like a, a platformer, but with puzzle elements. And I, I, that's this is another area where like I'm concerned of the the touch control slowing things down a little too much because you end up having to fiddle things where you can go so smoothly just with joysticks that. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm. They have plenty of time to get this right, so they're still working, tweaking things. And this was an early build that I saw. I was lucky to see it on iOS. Uh, and but I, I'm curious to see how this all works out. Just this, this kind of brought this to light to me. No pun intended. But uh, <laughs> yeah. So that that was just another area where I I I was interested in seeing how this is all gonna play out. Uh, so then next up is Overland by Finji, which is uh, the newer newer studio fo- uh, founded by Adam and Rebecca Saltzman. And Adam, if his name sounds familiar, that's the guy who did Cannibalt. Okay. Uh, and so this is this is one I've actually been watching in development for a while now on Steam. And I had heard a while back I thought it was eventually going to come to iOS. And I guess so. This is a really cool, like, turn-based survival game where it kind of reminds me of Death Road to Canada in a way where you're... But it also it's like a, almost like that Walking Dead uh, turn-based strategy game. So you have, like action points that you can move around and so the game starts out at least the demo i had you started out and you are kind of just in this behind this building and there's a broken down car there and tells you you basically have to get gas you have to get the car and you have to head west and so i go and i grab some gas and there's another guy there and i start talking to him well you can switch between the characters once you start interacting with other people and i took the non-main character i made him steal the car and drive off and leave the other dude and so what i thought was originally going to be my character was no longer my character i took a different guy and went off with him. I looked at the guy next to me, and he's got the main starting guy, is who he moved on with. So it seems like you can just grab someone, and you your story is always changing, and you, you can carry items, so you can pick up the gas, you can pick up other items. I end up in another area where, like, these alien creatures had landed, like, almost like these plant-like things, and now you had to gas up your car and get keep on moving, but avoid getting attacked by these by these alien creatures and dying so you have health and so you're just trying to survive and figure out this weird world that you're in uh as you're going through it and it definitely this one is one that seems like it would work perfectly with touch controls because you're just kind of dragging a path of how you want to go and you can keep on adjusting it and see where your your action will allow you to move to you can tap on items on the screen to get more information this one is well suited for touch and might actually be even more fun to play with touch control yeah i definitely could see that it will be you know all these have a tough balance of that 
Right. Yeah. And this is like, I want to see more about all of these titles, like not just the ones I'm talking about, but all the ones they have in that list to really see and dig into them and see how they may or may not play well with um, with touch controls. It leads me to believe that Apple is going to be coming out with their own MFI controller with all this eventually, where they'll have their official controller if you want to play all these Apple Arcade games, unless they continue to partner with SteelSeries to have more and newer models of, of their stuff coming out. Uh, right. But then the last the last games that I just want to talk about, they're all coming from one publisher. So one publisher has three different games that they're they're launching. The first one was a game called Yaga, which is this action RPG game where you're, you're this one handed blacksmith and you're walking around this one. I don't know. I, I, this one really didn't appeal to me all that much. It seemed kind of bland. Uh, I don't. It didn't seem like at the level of the other games. Maybe it was just the demo I had. Uh, but it seemed really easy to kill things. Even though I had a non-leveled up character, I never really even lost much health. And I don't know. It just seemed like. I don't know if it was the demo or what, but this one really didn't appeal to me all that much. The graphics looked good on the initial things that they had, but it didn't, it wasn't all that interesting. Okay. Uh, The second one, this was really interesting. It's called Hitchhiker. And so this one is like a choose your own adventure, almost kind of on the style of like the walking dead, though, like the telltale style of games where it starts out and you're just sitting in this truck. You're a hitchhiker and you're in this truck and this guy is rattling on this old guy and he's just really creepy, but he's talking like he's super friendly, but he's saying things that are sort of creepy and he offers you raisins and then you have some raisins and then you start to feel all sort of dizzy and stuff and you start to look around the the cab of the truck and you see items in there you start tapping you find like a a matchbook that says help and has a phone number on it and so what are you in for like it's a mystery kind of you don't know what the whole backstory is what what's up with this guy what's going on i don't know if it all takes place in the car, it seemed to go on for a while, but it was awkward to control with the keyboard and mouse is what I had for this one. And uh, I think it would work amazingly well with touch controls. But this is one that I was really into and definitely want to check out more on Apple Arcade when it gets launched. Yeah, I think Choose Your Own Adventure is becoming my favorite. I mean, I think of Oxen Free immediately for that style and just to kind of build it out into different ideas and concepts. Yeah, yeah, and this one's like psychological as well and yeah, it it kind of has that same sort of feel. Although it obviously is more confined if you're just sitting in this in this truck and driving along, uh but yeah, it's uh definitely one to check out if you like those style of games. And then the last one I'm going to talk about was called Card Apocalypse. And this is uh, this comes from the developers of Guild of Dungeoneering, which I think I might have talked about before, which was like a uh, like a board game app, and it was out on PC as well, like a, a like almost like a, a battling dungeon crawl sort of game. And this one is a card battling game that's set in this kind of school narrative. It's kind of like this cartoony art style almost it's so they're they all play this 
card battling game that's now been banned called Mega Mutant Power Pets that's now been banned in school in the school. But all of a sudden, these weird monsters from Power Pets start showing up. And so these kids have the skills because they play this game. And now they're going to have to basically save the world uh, by battling with these uh, battling in this card game. And it's so it's like a single player card game but also a narrative story around it. And you can apparently change the cards as you like add stickers and scribble on them and tear them up. Uh, I didn't get to any of that point in the demo that I had, but uh, it definitely sounds like a cool take on the, the card battling build up your deck because it has this whole story around it. So it's like if Pokemon came to life and you have to then deal with it. Sort of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Yeah. So it's I don't know. It just it seems like a cool concept. And this one obviously would work so well with touch controls that I'm not, this was another keyboard and mouse one I played. But uh, touch controls should be super easy for this one. Awesome. That that's a whole hell of a lot from PAX East. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. And that, that was just the iOS stuff I played. I played all kinds of stuff on Switch and other platforms. So, yeah, this is. It's a big show. I highly recommend if you're near any of the pack shows, definitely check one out when it's around you because uh, they are a lot of fun. Even if you only go for one day, uh, there's a lot to see and do. Awesome. And so I think that's everything for episode 97. Yeah, that's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> Just that's it. Huh? And yeah, so, that's it. <laughs> Brett, thanks for joining me. And to everyone listening, we hope you enjoyed and we'll talk to you next time. Talk to you later.